Kiara Koto and Haramai. Welcome to Tekupu or the Word with me, your host, Christopher Von Roy. Today, on the 11th of January 2022, for number 17, the inaugural podcast of 2022. Initially, Dave Cohen and I wanted to do this podcast on the new year so that he would be in on the 31st of December in Los Angeles and I would be on the 1st of January 2022, hoping that we could somehow reach the space-time continuum, but alas, it didn't work out. So I got to talk to Dave a couple of days later, um, and it was an absolutely incredible conversation that we had. Dave is a super lovely human being and one of the most prolific Substack writers and writers in general that I know of. He holds the world record for the longest sentence ever written and published in book format, and he's done this great parody series of books about the Haggadah, which we talk about in detail on the podcast. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. I think you will. And please subscribe to Shuffle Synchronicities, which is his newsletter podcast that he puts out on Substack on a daily basis. So yeah, without further ado, let's welcome Dave to the show. You there? Yeah, man. Did it work? Oh, wow. Third time's a charm. I guess so. That's what they say, right? Uh, can you hear me well? I think so. Yeah, well enough. I can I can hear you. Brilliant. Uh, I'm just, what about me? Yeah, you're perfect. Are you using a proper microphone? Uh, no, just like a Mac, a recent Mac uh, computer. I know. That goes, that, it's going well. I'm also trying out, my sister gave me a proper microphone for my birthday so that's this will be the oh, first nice. inaugural test run of it um cool. how yeah, you doing yeah. over there it does sound good over there yeah, yeah. um things are good man it, it was rainy and and now it's not again it's oh. back to the 70s and sunny which is why i live here so california <laughs> yeah what about over there it's summer there right yeah, it's summer here, so I've just been up visiting my family. They live up in Auckland, which is the kind of the economic capital of New Zealand. It's a big city, and I normally live in a really small sort of rural town, and I just got back um, to the town yesterday, and it's packed with people from Auckland. I was, like, wondering why it was so quiet when I was up in Auckland, and they're all down here because it's a oh, really popular holiday. Yeah, yeah, so everyone's coming down to... It's right by the beach, and it's got lovely hikes and all that, so everyone comes here. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, finally, we get to talk, and I've been so excited to talk to you, Dave. And then, like, I was kind of like, oh, it's not going to happen now. It's, like, written in the stars. We're not meant to be doing this, but now it's come through. So it's great to hear your voice. Yeah. Well, we were originally going to do it on my 30th and your 31st, and then we were going to try yeah. to do it the next day, which would have been – my 2021, your 2022. That would which, have been epic. Yeah, I think I think it would, it would have ended the Omicron. Like, I think if we did that, it would have, <laughs> it would have, it would have affected the time-space exactly. continuum and it would have resolved everything. And so basically, exactly. like, because of this anchor.fm system, yeah. the world is like the, in trouble. They'll turn us off if we, if we say anything negative about them. Oh, so they, okay. They're listening too. Okay, that's they, part of the had their, they had their break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to say something positive about them. But hey, they're not sponsoring it. But they put all this software out for free, so they must be listening in because they'll be get data gathering or doing something to make money out of this. So nothing's for free, is it? 
Yeah. What is the FM? I never heard of the F, of the dot FM. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, it's for um. I think it stands for frequency modulation. It's radio. Like radio. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Ah. Okay. See what it is. Um. Otherwise, I wouldn't have. You know, you have AM advanced sure. modulation. Yeah. 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 Now I get it. I'm just a little slow in the uptake sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just I, technically challenged. Yeah, this is fun. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to talk. Uh, and and we're doing it. We're gonna we're gonna make yeah. it happen here. I just read your recent your Taylor Swift shuffle synchronicity three four five. Brilliant, man. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, man, that was a uh, it was wild. Uh, I. I Basically, I, to, to explain, you know, what I do is I, I shuffle um, my a master playlist of like 50,000 songs now. And Amazing. it seems to be that whatever kind of song comes on the playlist, uh, it seems to be like tarot and kind of reveal something about my life or what I'm going through, or what I'm going to happen in the future, or what happened in the past. And um, um, so yesterday it was a, it was one of her songs from folklore all about like you know this woman in rhode island who did whatever she wanted and you know lived a wild life at the, and was kind of gossiped about and taylor actually bought her house and was became kind of like the subject of gossip from there and um rebecca so, yeah, harkness was that her name rebecca yeah rebecca harkness that's her name exactly and then um so yeah she uses kind of like third form third third person narration where it's like a twist ending where she reveals that's herself and so i was kind of playing off of that and talked about how like i was uh kind of engaging with some uh people that you could also consider uh wild living wildly and free which is like this uh sacred eros community where they kind of combine spirituality and sexuality and uh yeah yeah so I don't know. That Did you do that time. talk? Did you do that 15 minute introductory? Yeah, it was more like 45 minutes, which is, oh, nice. wow. it was really cool. And uh, we had a good talk. Yeah. I'm still going to like do some more research and talk to some other practitioners and see, you know, more about what the field is before I kind of engage. But um, yeah, it was interesting and I definitely respect the work they're doing. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I talk about it more in the post today that I wrote kind of as a response because yeah a lot yeah. of people are curious about it people were like emailing me or messaging me being like yeah what happened you know I'm like well wait wait till tomorrow it's a serial memoir like it's nice day the post, what's gonna you know so hopefully you know uh, so we can't really give it away well by the time this comes out when it's tuesday um tuesday It'll next week news. i would have already have gone exactly amazing where are they based, Sacred Eros? Is it an actual physical community? I'm not sure. That's a good question. I think it's more like like a place that is like somewhat vetted for practitioners to then offer their services to different communities. Like you can like search within SoCal or I'm assuming yeah. New Zealand or Australia and look for people that are like I don't know how to say. Yeah, I guess I guess someone vetted. I, you know, I think so. aligned with it. So, like yeah, practitioners, what are they like? Therapists, a little bit, or how would you describe the forty-five um, minutes you had without giving too I, much again, away? I don't. I don't know much about this. This is like a lot of times when I'm writing the shuffle, it's like I'm just kind of stumbling through my life and revealing 
it's kind of like, you know, a lot of memoir is written, you know, years later with a lot of reflection, a lot of like, um, yeah. whereas I do a lot of immediacy and spontaneity. And so I'm like, again, I'm kind of stumbling into, into this, uh, yeah. this community. So I don't, I don't want to speak anything that isn't really no, true. No, I get I that. Um, but yeah, I guess what I was looking for is, you know, um, yeah, I've been, I've been through like a divorce. I'm looking for ways to kind of engage with uh, the relationship between spirituality and sexuality because part of my divorce yeah. is related to um, not being, my, my spirituality not being received because we were both kind of agnostic or atheistic. And then I had kind of like a, an awakening that I write about. And yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a longer story, but basically, yeah, looking for, to combine those two seem interesting to me. And I was just like, well, I'm curious person. Let's, let's see what this is yeah. about. And so that was like, that was what, uh, amazing. And so you're going to be revealing it in real time. I was going to think there's a word for that when you're, it's not like freehand. It's a little bit like those stenographers in the, in court that just like write things down when they're hearing it. And that's kind of what you're doing. You're not, you're writing your memoir as your life happens to the tune yeah. of music, which I think is yeah, absolutely exactly. fine. Yeah. How did you get that idea, memoir, Dave? Yeah. Serialized memoir. How did you come yeah. up with that idea, Dave? Well, um, it all kind of started when I was writing this book in 2019. Kind of, my dad, uh, he passed away quite suddenly. Um, yeah. And, and also and also kind of not, but he, he, had, a, he had a suicide and um, it really uh, impacted me, but I wasn't really dealing with it. And I was just very focused on LA kind of ambition stuff. And yeah, um, I was trying to write this book that was like a comedy book because I write a lot of comedy and it was, it was supposed yeah. to be the longest sentence ever written. And that was yeah. supposed to be a book. And uh, so it starts off with a lot of comedy and then all of a sudden the stream of consciousness, I just kind of like turned into me finally a, a few months later after he died, like actually facing the grief yeah, and I just started kind of writing about it, somewhat humorous. I mean, say somewhat humorous, but then there's a lot of other threads and. It's very it. funny. I've only read the beginning, the oh. first like twenty thousand words. So, I would say it's hilarious. But yeah, you do kind of give away in the in the little blurb about it that it goes into like your other your college years and all that as well. So it turns into an actual stream of consciousness memoir in that sense as well. So it's like shuffle synchronicities without the music. Yeah. And, but, well, that was the thing is that during the writing of that book, I started to notice that as I was writing, like the song started to match up with what I was writing. Wow. So shuffle started to, so, I mean, I think people have realized this before me. I'm, I'm, I know people have, and I'm sure of it, but for me, it was like, that was the realization that there's synchronicities with music and, and life and and yeah. I, I think mostly that was in radio in the past i mean fm you're talking about fm but now because so much of it is yeah. like you know spotify and apple music and algorithms like i think that god personally or spirituality or universe whatever you want to call the, the mystery you know is able to be in something as seemingly scientific as an algorithm and yeah. like help you through you know what you're going through or contact yeah. all that stuff so um yeah, so I kind of discovered that part of life during writing that book. And then I was thinking about turning that into a new book, but kind of the immediacy of it didn't really lend itself to another book that would take another year. 
So I decided to just kind of write the book over the course of a year. It's been about a year of writing these daily pages of uh, or daily posts, I should say. And because, um, yeah, it's like every day there's a new shuffle and a new yeah. synchronicity. And so it's fun to kind of keep along with it. Whereas if it's over the course of a year, it's it just loses some of that immediacy that I keep talking about. I, yeah. I that word, but that, that's that's kind of what the big word for me. I suppose um, with the shuffle, you're also you're kind of mimicking the old school radio in the sense that you have no control over what the DJ is going to play next. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. I think like the spirits of the DJ, and they just happen to play like all sorts of. I mean, stuff you, that. Yes, yeah. I mean it's kind of some of the stuff is really, I mean, too hard to even believe. Like sometimes I had to like write in the post, like I'm not making this, this is, up. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is, like, what happened? Like it sounds crazy, but uh no this is what the song was uh yeah but um I'm trying to think of a good example like I, I think early on it was like i was feeling really low about my dad dying and he i was his hero was like abraham lincoln and i was like yeah I just shuffled and I, and I got gettysburg by ratatat this band and i was like what there you go you know it's like it's yeah like that, i mean it I don't know. It's just I don't know. I, I I welcome everybody to just try it. Like I think like try it. Yeah. And have fun, and I think it can help you with your life. And so same with journaling, and same with all sorts of yeah. You know, totally. introspective writing. I think is helps you organize even within your science, Dave. It's called serendipity. You know, like it just most of the major discoveries, scientific discoveries, happen through chance and luck, and that's where that saying chance favors the prepared mind. And I think. In your case, you're just paying attention, whereas most of us don't. You know, listen to music, and we don't. We won't listen to the words or something. But it's probably happening all the time, and then it makes you think as well. Like that whole secret thing, like you create your own life. You know, if you sure. think about what you want, and I think if people pay attention to that, they they slowly but surely will realize that life is very much a projection. Um, and then yeah. things like things like really major people in your life passing away suddenly cause you to stop and go, oh, let me reevaluate. You know, like those major things, they, they knock us out of that sort of that spin that we're going through where everything's just, we're not paying attention to life. We're just living it. Yeah, because you kind of take everything for granted. You're like, well, I've always had a dad and I'll continue yeah. to have a dad. And, um, Was that before or after your divorce? Did that happen at the same time? Well, they were pretty related. I mean... Yeah, you know, uh, it kind of the my dad was bipolar, and you know, I, I guess yeah. I kind of identify as that. I was diagnosed. Yeah, I've read about that with you. I know you. I was doing some research on you, and I was found it fascinating that you also had um, I had the same thing. Yeah, yeah, like a diagnosis, and you went to a mental hospital, which I did when I was twenty-one with psychosis, and yeah, um, yeah. Well, I'm kind of like changing my outlook on that stuff and kind of looking at it as like a both and is the word i use and what say that again um a both and i guess it's two words but like a it's like both spirituality and mental illness that are kind of yeah later like you could be bipolar and also have a i don't know when you want to call it like uh you know awakening and yeah they can, they can both both those things can exist at the same time um yeah I mean, there's been many thinkers like, you know, Joseph Campbell would say like, you know, the mystic swims in the same water as the psychotic, except yeah. the psychotic is drowning and the mystic is, you know, swimming, obviously. And, exactly. 
So I think like when I was 21, I was definitely drowning. <laughs> but, I can imagine. Was there but, a major uh, thing that happened when you went through your psychosis? Could you narrow it down to an incident or was it just this spiraling? The first I mean, one or the or Yeah, the, the one where you ended up. That's my dad. What, no, when you ended up the first time having to go to a mental hospital. Um, it's just clinical I depression. Think was, probably. I think it was also related to what you talked about, which is marijuana. You know, I, yeah. I was like smoking a lot of marijuana and also not, I'm very isolated from people and not getting yeah. much like, honestly, relationship. I mean, that's kind of like back to the sacred arrows for a second is like yeah. finding these isolated times. If you're not in relationship with people, you know, intimately in conversation, but also even, I mean, I really think like, you know, touch and all that stuff uh, is also important. So, oh, yeah. Um, I just come from like, you know, studying abroad in London. I, I was, didn't really have much friend, many friends. I just kind of was like going to art museums and getting high and, and yeah. it was, it was kind of, like I said, I, got, I kind of got disordered through that. And then, um, I don't know. Yeah. It is. It was really, I think marijuana is really underrated as a psychosis instigator. Yeah. As you, as yeah. You talk about. And I have, I've had other people in my life who've, had that happen to them with marijuana. Uh, yeah. And I. You never I think know, it's yeah, going to be yourself. Hey. I know more of this than I do, but. Hey, it's, hey, it's one of those areas like psychiatry and like, I've got so much respect for people that do that. Cause it's not a science. It's like an art form, right? We, we can try, but ultimately as a psychiatrist, you're still at the behest of the words coming out of this person that's existing on the fringes of consciousness, you know, like, yeah. For me, it's and most of the psychiatrists have never taken the medication that they prescribe, and so yeah. it's like they're they're like blind, and trying to lead help you find yourself. It's kind of like your body and your mind knows what's right. And for me, it wasn't only marijuana; it was I was drinking heavily and just not taking good care of myself. And yeah. I think it was part of it. Since so the body goes, like fuck off, man. We're not going to yeah, let you, you exist in here. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so no, I, I would say the same thing. I wasn't taking care of myself, and it was definitely drinking too. And where were you in London? What were you? Where were oh, you studying? Man. That part was such a blur that, like, I'm going to mess up the name of it. I was at King's College. So wow, okay, University of London. Um, yeah, and I was in like an English program through my school, Penn, and oh, uh, so it was an exchange year or something. Yeah, it was like a half. A, it was a semester in the, in the fall. Uh, yeah, I thought, it, was, it was. I lived like. In this below, like it was the south below the river, you know, what's it called? Yeah, south? yeah, South Kensington, that's where UCL is. So it would have uh, been, yeah, no, I like I said, it was a kind of a hazy time, it's yeah, I can imagine, I say, but uh, no, I, yeah, well, it's also um, something I, you I, shut I, out, right? It's a, it's a survival thing with me as well. Now to think back, I'm like hard and you don't know what you're actually mem what you're remembering whether or not it's a recollection of the truth or what you think is what happened because your your brain gets reset like it's just i don't know yeah. how, i forgot i can speak fluent german and i forgot how to speak german for two weeks like wow. what explain that how does science explain that like wow, man. like this That's and then crazy. so the time after that it's kind of like you're you're restructuring your synapses and the way your brain functions and it's exciting. And if you look at 
um, like African traditions, well, like in the Congo and Central African Republic, like it's seen as something really special. Like, uh, yeah, when they, like yeah, and those like people get revered. Yeah. yeah, it's the same in Maori culture as well here. Like it's, it's the people that have like paranoid schizophrenia are seen as like messengers of the spirit yeah. realm. And, and it's kind of a little bit scary, but I can relate to that in my own self. Like I didn't really grow up in that environment, but I've always had massive respect for it. So when I encountered, and I talked about that as well, the Maori staff at this hospital, and we did these songs, and that was the first time I felt myself back into being who I was. Next wow. morning, I could speak German again. I wow. had the first night's sleep. And so then I was like, there's something there. I have goosebumps now even talking about it. Like, oh, me too. Like we can tap into you like this, this ancient knowledge that the indigenous communities, you know, Native American and yeah. um, uh, the Inuits in Australia, the indigenous people, like there's something there that they've known about for so long that we've kind of like we've stepped over because it's easier living a superficial life than it is going deep and, and the other thing is, Dave, I was going to say, it's about being sensitive, I think. Like, I've been hypersensitive ever since I was a kid. And I think yeah. what we call bipolar disorder and schizophrenia and all these, like, clinical depressions, and they're all manifestations of the same thing, and that is just being overtly sensitive to your surroundings, right? Like, um, Yeah, I, I think it's probably... also something you said is like a, it's earlier in a different... It was like it's like a spectrum. You don't even know biologically there's a difference. There's just they, no, they can't exactly. biology what's wrong anytime. They're just no. You know, that's why like, you need blood analysis. That's why most good psychologists will send you to get your bloods looked at first, because it could be that you've got type one diabetes, it could you know, blood sugar levels aren't right, and that's what they should be looking at first. Wow, and exactly. then they should go into the whole, and I don't know, the diagnosing bit is, it's a, it's a, and you look at that manual, the DSMV, like that's changing oh, every amazing. year, I've, you know? I've like, written a lot about that in the Substack. stack. It's just like, yeah. it's just like, it's crazy when you really deconstruct it. Yeah. Because yeah, that was the thing, when I was 21, like I would just, I just kind of was like, all right, well, this is what happened. My dad was diagnosed as this and it's genetic, so I have it. And then you get this label put on you and then you're just, that's just like your identity is like, well, I'm kind of, Oh, yeah, it's... I have this identity now and I'm I'm going to carry this burden. And yeah. so now I'm kind of working on un, undoing that. And, you know, I'm working nice. with a psychiatrist that's like integrative and I'm going yeah. down on what's called like the antipsychotics that I've been on. And yeah, which is such a crazy name. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, man, like what? I know. Well, this is the thing, Dave, is they they can they they cause they can cause psychosis as well. When I got to that mental hospital, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they they put me on them, and that was the worst part for the first three days. And I just told them, I was like, I I can't be on this anymore. Like, I can't. It's making me. So it's and they because they're acting on certain receptors in the brain, right? So and those can go either way. And a lot of medications can cause the symptoms they're supposed to be. Um, treating it's just the phenomenon of pharmacology and i guess it's um, like so, yeah it's like a binary kind of yeah you know, switch on and off in a different direction that, wow. exactly and i was going to ask like what medic have you gone through like a plethora of medications well, I've been on the same ones the for years and i just was like well it's working you know i'm not like yeah that different than when yeah. i was before which kind of makes you think that the medicine really wasn't doing anything i just like we're just taking medicine that maybe put on weight and yeah um, well it slows, slows everything down yeah that's what it is it's um, usually hypersensitive 
hard, really fast metabolism. And that's what kind of gets slowed down. Is it, was it, were you taking like anti-convulsants as well? Like, yeah, I think you talked like about ep- this. I'm taking Depakote. I still am taking Depakote. And I, yeah, that's I what I was this, taking as well. I was more older antipsychotic. Uh, I, it's probably not it. It's good that I'm getting off it, I think. It's, it's called Risperdal. Oh, uh, yeah, I know that. Yeah. And then the, the antidepressant was pretty good because it doesn't hurt the sexuality functions that much. It's uh, Which one's that? Well, Brutrin. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was my fear, man, that I, I should have taken it ages ago. They offered it to me, and I was like, nah, I read erectile dysfunction. I was like, fuck that shit. Like, I was like, I'm not going to lose my... Well, Wellbutrin is good for that, at least for me. My experience of Wellbutrin has been fine for that. Yeah, libido's but, fine. Because it's not related... To, it's not a SSRI, right? Is it, it's no, else? no, it's not. Yeah. It's I think it acts on the GABA receptor. It also helps you quit smoking, by the way. I know you already quit, but yeah. it's... Uh, it's also prescribed for for cessation of smoking that drug. Did you give up smoking? That's a different story related to my ex now is that she was like, we're getting more serious. And she's like, I want you to quit smoking or, you know, this is, I don't see yeah. much of it, you know, I want you to, you know, can you do this for us? And so I just did it the next day, pretty much. It was like, stop smoking and yeah, I haven't smoked since. I mean, that was a long time ago now, but maybe over, over 10 years. Um, yeah. So I can't really, can't really say it was Albutrin. I could say it was, I have a, I wrote about that in post nine actually. And, yeah. uh, and you know, I have a friend who's a doctor and he was like, yeah, like sometimes they say the best way to quit is to have something that you hope for so much or fear that could happen so much that it forces you to finally change. And yeah. so, yeah, in that case it was, you know, the love for that person was the hope and the fear was, you know, losing that person. And, uh, um, yeah so so did you do it with how did you do you read the book did you read the alan carr book no it was literally like I found this on the web oops sorry um, that's okay <laughs> my apple watch did something uh <laughs> amazing literally it was just like i mean in retrospect you know she she probably it was kind of an ultimatum i don't know if ultimatums are good or bad i, I think they're kind of bad now but it was kind of like yeah. Something an ultimatum and it was just like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do this for us because I wanna stay in this relationship and I love you. And so I didn't read yeah. anything. Yeah. Amazing. And did you do that <laughs> before or after you got married, Dave? I don't know. It's kind of romantic, I guess, to me. But <laughs> <laughs> But no, they say that you want to be doing it for yourself as well. That's the other thing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, you... sure. There's definitely so... I mean it's a whole Code of romance and codependency, you know, there's yeah, yeah, we don't know about that too. You know, they're, they're, yeah, I would say that too. I'm glad I, did from, I didn't like doing it either. It was also for myself, you know, I was also not into the habit uh, of it. No, um, but I, I also gross. stopped drinking her in the pandemic completely and caffeine Alcohol. as well. So I resonate with your yeah, same. experience. So both those are cut out. And I, and I have been doing some CBD a little bit since since I stopped when I was 21 and I cut that yeah. out. I think DVD is also like, they say it's fine, but I don't know. It's if also got THC in it. It's, it's really got yeah. the stuff too. So, um, uh, do you drink decaf coffee or did you oh, give up no coffee, coffee altogether? Decaf has a little caffeine too, right? Yeah. Say? Yeah. Yeah. But like the CBD right. has a little bit of THC as well. That's the whole uh, thing. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, love, I just uh, drink water now. Just pretty much. Only water. <laughs> Same water and juice and a lot of tea. Yeah, water is, I don't know, I just, 
yeah, anyway. Um, but, uh, <laughs> was, oh, so I was going to say, yeah, when I was 35, it was a different experience because I had like a lot of education and yeah, um, I didn't just accept like the status quo decisions from the scientists that or the doctors that I saw at the time. Um, and I, and I was like following kind of like these breadcrumbs that led me to all these spiritual books and self-help books that I'd always written off. Like I'd always been much more into, I don't know, like kind of secular literary books yeah. or, or, you know, comedies and things that kind of made fun of these things or yeah. um, didn't take them seriously. And, uh, now I feel the exact opposite. I mean, I take everything I take, I like everything now. It's like, it's funny. Like before I was so critical of, of all the things I consumed or enjoyed. And now I'm just like, it's all God. It's all, we're all exactly. doing it together. We're all one. And like, yep. your art is my it's all art. got its place. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I love about your shuffle synchronicities, Dave, is it's so varied. Like you wouldn't be able to draw uh, like a graph saying, oh yeah, Dave kind of likes this music more than that. It's like you go through everything. Like, and that's the, I guess if if you're fifty thousand songs, there's not even fifty thousand songs of any single one genre. So, how did you go about accumulating all of that? Like that must be how many years oh, since Spotify's inception? I just love music. I've just been always been accumulating, and and Spotify is cool because they have this feature. If you're on the PC at least or the, the laptops, you can kind of see what your friends are listening to and other people yeah. you follow. It's kind of it's surprisingly social. They don't really talk about that that much, but yeah. Um, so I'll just kind of follow, you know, music critics or friends. That I like their music. I mean, I like everybody, but you know, I just will like click on songs and add them without even necessarily listening to them right away. I just, I just think everything is good now. And so, yeah. And I find, I find value in everything. I don't know. It's a, it's a different way of looking at the world. And, uh, like this, I kind of believe the sacred is and everything and the good is and everything. And yeah. Um, so I don't know. I guess there, if it, I can't think of any music I don't like right now. <laughs> I, it's on the same. So it's, this is like a complete 180, which is again why I believe that there is like growth and change and awakening is like a real thing. Because it, before I would be like, no, this is very good and this is very bad. And here's like, here are the reasons. And, and yeah. I would feel it like in my, in my body too. Like it'd be painful to like have like visceral, you know? Yeah. And I guess there's a little bit of that still sometimes, but it's much, much, much less. So. Yeah. Know. So you appreciate the form more than the actual product, I guess. That's what I like. You, It's hard to differentiate between the creator and what's being created, you know? And that's like, I struggle with like, I used to love Woody Allen films and to a certain extent, I still really do. But then when all this stuff, and like Michael Jackson, and you don't know what really is going on because obviously the press loves talking about stuff that's weird and will freak people out. But it's like, or Roman Polanski, you know, once you hear stuff, like I hate how that taints the actual art itself. Like it's so, it's like art and creation, like creativity is so nuanced and so individualistic. And that once you put it out, it's open for scrutiny, right? And then when people start writing about the creator was like this or was like that. And then you start using your morals and your ethics start, I don't know, um, covering up the actual aesthetic that you're, you're just supposed yeah. to be either sound or color or what you're seeing. 
shouldn't be well shouldn't I shouldn't say that either but like it should just be like a seminal experience right and if it makes you feel good that's great you know and otherwise you, yeah. and you shouldn't be like oh that guy did that at one point in time but did he do do we know um uh yeah, that's, that's, yeah I, mean, I, definitely, I definitely welcome anybody i mean if people don't if people want to then to define how they view things or listen to things according to the morality like that's fine with me but i i tend to I tend to agree more with you too. Like there's this, there's this book, The Gift by Lewis Hyde. And it kind of helped yeah. me understand this ancient tradition, which is that like creativity doesn't really come from the ego, from the person. It comes, I mean, in part from the ego, but in part also from the spirit. And so you could really say that like a lot of the art that's created by people who have like, every ego has problems. And, you know, I don't know any ego that, you know, hasn't done yeah. something bad, you know, he's big or small. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the ego is involved, but the spirit is, you know, the, I think the driving force behind all art. And, uh, um, yeah. you know, so I think like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I still watch everybody. I still listen to everybody. I mean, you look at like movies and TV, like Cosby and Polanski, like there were so many people involved in those movies and yeah. TV shows besides um, those guys. And, like I know someone yeah. who worked on the Cosby show. Like he was a professor of mine, and yeah, I don't know it's like the, all that. I, I mean, not just income, but just the art that he created is like, as you said, like it's not being seen as much because no, uh, the you know the, the the impact of that. And so I don't I don't know the answer. I'm just saying that like my particular stance is like I don't know how Do you just that? ignore it. I'm having trouble hearing you. <laughs> well, Apple Watch <laughs> is like, uh, speak, this is a so funny. Thing, right? I'm having trouble hearing you. It's saying <laughs> so good. It's Apple's so good. listening as well. Anchor, Apple's we've like, got an audience already. It's like you're getting close to being canceled, Chris and Dave. Like, <laughs> exactly. Wow. I was like, I was about to start talking about Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle, and so I was like, watch where you're going with this. No, um, uh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, you, but the last thing I'll say is like, let's say, you know, we don't even know. I mean, eating meat, right? Like anybody who who ate ate meat like that could be like ruled out in like 200 years I'm oh right. oh you're so right yeah you know what i mean like we could be like monsters for eating meat i i, I we might oh, be of course we will be we i reckon be we'll that. be look back at that part of his of our history will be savagery because it's yeah. also like forcing people to work so that they can eat food sure yes <laughs> that, that's yes. the other that's thing like that and that's so I mean, in New Zealand, it's not so much of a, like, we've got a really robust welfare state. Like, if you don't work, you will survive, right? Whereas America, I mean, there is, it's there a little bit, but it's, it's, um, it's a shameful existence, right? You've got food stamps. I mean, how the, even the, the vernacular around it is like, and people frown on the fact, like, if you're not a millionaire in America, it's like, what? How could you not? You must be lazy and, you know, all these little things. And I think that future people that would look back on our time will be like, oh, man, like, they just didn't get it. Like, they had all the money in the world and all the food in the world, but yet people starved. And yeah. so I think we're going through a massive transition at the moment. Like, I think that pandemic also opened yeah, eyes. Yeah. Um, like, that was the thing. Like, I, just going back and visiting Auckland, like, I hadn't been there for two years. I lived there, like, 10 years ago. And it, it's a pretty, like... Not, I wouldn't say dog eat dog, but it's like, you know, the rat race and like people who fancy cars and all this stuff. And 
really talking about superficial things and what you're wearing. And like this time around, it was like people were so friendly and it's almost like they've gone through a spiritual awakening. Like they had the longest lockdown on earth. Like they had four and a half months of not in Auckland city. So it's a lot of, um, yeah, yeah, internal dialogue, which I think, you know, you and I being quite, um, you know, enjoying our alone time and being solitary and stuff. We've, we've kind of done a lot of that already. So we were like, I was comfortable when, our lockdown happened last year. I was like, I'm not going to call it heaven, but I was like, yeah, it was like, intro- my life. I know it's terrible, but that's exactly. It's like you have no obligations. No one's going to come over. One of my fears is that people just show up at my house willy nilly, which in New Zealand they do. It's like a custom. They well, think I, it's. I kind of missed the drop in personally. I, I had a <laughs> so you- drop drop in recently. I was so happy. I was like, this is like randomly. It's like a drop. You know, it's like it depends on the pop, friend. Yeah. Know. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's good. No, so I was just saying it was a real revelation for me to see the positive impacts of the pandemic. I know it's such a horrible thing with so many people in hospital and dying, but it's like this thing where like we're we're taking like a it's like a reckoning in a positive yeah. way, thinking about you know what's really important for us. And I think what you said beforehand about connection, you know, and that's like I mean, writers have for eons been these solitary figures that we wouldn't be able to write if we didn't exist in our heads pretty much 99% of the time, right? We wouldn't have that urge to write. And, you know, they tend to be clinically depressed and they tend to like, you know, that whole, what used to be called manic depression and pretty much every major writer suffered from that. Um, And so it's that connection. And once that connection is lost, you have to then create a relationship with yourself. And I think once you do that, you realize that whole oneness, you know, whatever that means is that we're all going through the same stuff. We're all struggling. We all want to, you know, be happy somehow, but we've, we're living within a system that compares each other. And I think that just went by the wayside during these four and a half months of these Aucklanders where it was suddenly just like, you know, it brought families back together again. It really, and people had the important discussions and a lot of relationships broke apart and because people weren't living that superficial i need to go to work i'm busy i can't do this right now you know some people are you know you're alcoholic you can be addicted to cigarettes you can be addicted to work and like that vocational pursuit of i need to succeed and i think that just all fell by the wayside and so in that sense and often like now dave when i i'm doing a lot of like pro bono consultations with people anti-vaxxers you know people who want to me to talk to their friends and their family about vaccination and why it's oh, important and all yeah. that stuff. And um, it, like, to me, Dave, it's like, there's a certain portion of the world that embrace these ideas. And I feel like I'm like, Jesus, they're going through what I went through last year. Like, this is like a mass psychosis happening and yeah. they don't know they're, they're being led into this like totally false Nirvana and you know, I, there was a period in my life as well where I was like convinced about conspiracy theories and I was like reading about the JFK assassination and like I can remember that vividly. And then I was and I when I do these talks, I, I start out with that. I'm like, look, listen, I've been at this place. You know, I, I read about the one world government and like trying to force people one world currency and controlling the world. And I was like, this must be the scariest time in the world for those people. Like everything's coming to fruition and being forced to stay at home. And this is the government's now doing it. And and that's what I'm like, you got to take a step back and just be like, everyone, no one really knows 
what's going on, right? Any, yeah. And that's the truth for anything. Any religious or spiritual guru that says they've got the answers, they're, yeah. they're full of shit, right? And with the governments, it's like, they're just trying to wing it at the moment. They're like, we don't yeah. really know what's going on. And Omicron is the perfect example of that because I'm, I've been following it closely and there's conflicting reports from Germany, from Dubai, from Australia, from America about incubation periods, what part of the body, the, if it only infects the upper respiratory tract, right. like the amount of different. So it's like everyone's kind of spinning, trying to find a way through this. Um, and, you know, it was funny to see like the knee jerk reaction from Trump, like, oh, this is not happening. It's going to be over in a couple of weeks to our prime minister, just in our door and say, now nah, we need to lock the country down. The economy can recover. Human beings that die cannot. And that was like yeah. her big thing. And so, and I tell you, Dave, it was the difference between women and men in leadership positions really became obvious <laughs> yeah. then. The women are like, oops, shit, something's happening. It's scary. Whereas Trump's trying to be like, oh, he's the big man. He's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. The, the howling in the night is not going to, I'll be here to protect you, you know. And that was another thing. I think the, the genders really, it kind of showed how having, like, not to say motherly, like, but like having female leadership is really important in the world and i think that's something that really came out and we were so blessed here in new zealand like i mean at yeah. the moment they, we still got we don't have america had a million cases i think a couple of days ago and yeah. we, we've had like three our average is like it's ridiculously wow. low so we're like and the thing is it's like the calm before the storm though for us it's like we're all sitting here waiting like oh what's happening is it gonna come is it not so everyone's kind of like still traveling and stuff but yeah, it's this sort of waiting for something, waiting for Godot, I guess. <laughs> That's what it is. Whereas you guys have yeah. been through it already, you know, and you're kind of now on the other end. So in many ways, even though I'm temporarily in the future, you're more from a sociological point of view in the future because you've already been through that massive outbreak and had to deal with those anxieties. And I mean, LA was pretty good, I guess, because I did the lockdown as well. But um, that's not happening anymore, is it? at the moment um, you guys people I mean, are voluntarily doing it yeah yeah like my i have a job that i go to um and that job is they close the building again um yeah like i i the vibe of the communities that i associate with is definitely more you know going back to kind of I don't know. I would say Delta times, not not like before the vaccine. Yeah, time, but definitely kind of like Delta yeah. times, or yeah, you know, it's, it's not as bad as yeah. last. January. Last January was probably so being careful. Time in LA. Can you work that? remotely? Can you work remotely? Um, no, my my day job. I mean, it's it's not really of interest to to my writing stuff. It's it's just a it's a job that I go to to make some income and it's, uh, yeah. it's, I don't know more to say besides that. Um, yeah. But, uh, here's what I found. <laughs> Amazing. You yeah. Here's what I found. I should just cover letter mistakes and what to say instead. <laughs> oh my God. I should be interviewing your Apple watch. Wow. Either way, <laughs> it's not a good sign. Oh, it's amazing. It's like, yeah. Boss, it says. So even if it pains you to write a cover letter, I don't know. That's all it says. In <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? 
That's uh, incredible. Next level. Like, I feel like I'm witnessing the future. We're so far away. Like, I, I don't have Alexa. I don't have the Apple Watch. Like, we're living in, like, pretty much still that whole pre-intrusive AI this is pretty home. rare, though. I don't, I don't know why it's doing that. I mean, maybe I just am alone. I think it's because you're, you're, you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're talking through your Apple AirPods or whatever, and it's just picking up on that, I guess. I'm yeah. on my AirPods. Yeah, I don't know. Well, well, it's interesting. That's uh, At least I find it interesting. I find every all these little – I think it's a synchronicity. I mean, clearly – Oh, yeah. Whatever you want to call it. but uh, Jungian synchronicity. Tell me, Dave, uh, when, when did you write your first book? That's what I wanted to ask you, because there's so many out there. I was going to ask you which one was uh, your first. Oh, yeah. Um, the first one was um, uh, the Trump the Trump Passover Haggadah. Uh, that was the first I, I one. Was, um, that was the first one, yeah. It was, um, you know, I started as a humor writer, and I, I published in The New Yorker, shot some murmurs, um, an article there, and McSweeney's, and then I tried to focus on screenwriting and found that pretty challenging so that's a lot yeah, it's harder hard. to break in than, than they tell you i mean they, they do tell you I, I just didn't listen i guess but uh <laughs> um, <laughs> so then i i kind of pivoted to to self-publishing books because um i done these they're just there's this jewish holiday called passover i can't tell are you are you jewish or you had a conversation with um lisa lisa that i listened to you seem to know a lot about Judaism. Probably Jew- Jewish adjacent. I've had ah, okay. Jewish girlfriends, and yeah, there is a connection there. Okay. Um, but not, I wasn't raised, it's just been exposed to the culture a lot. So, okay, yeah. And, yeah, so you I've, know, and you're into a Passover Seder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Haggadah, yeah. But yeah, explain yeah, it to was, people. What was that? Explain it to the listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know, so there's like uh, these books that kind of guide you through the. Um, rituals and ceremony of this it's kind of like jewish thanksgiving is what i call it it's like it's kind of all get together as a family and you tell this story of of moses and how he left egypt and you have these symbols with food that help you remember the story so you can kind of pass down the story through the generations with these like tactile uh and like and breaking the forms uh i mean the jews are i've also often been called people of the book so i feel like it's it's great that they have a, a holiday with books, you know, uh, <laughs> people will, people pass out these books and there'll be like 15 books at the table of 15 people. And, and, uh, they've traditionally recently been the Maxwell house, like the coffee company was, was the one who like supplied a lot of suburban America, Jewish Haggadahs. I don't know why what? I think there's a history to that. You can definitely Google yeah, um, I think I think I mean there's a there's I'm Jewish so I can say it but you know it was it was free it came with the coffee so I think it was like all right we got our God. that's so funny <laughs> yeah. they just saw a market there and they're like okay we'll serve that yeah and so every uh, single person has what one of these books yeah and so yeah and and then and there's all but there's also been a tradition of like DIY culture and before even the word DIY was invented yeah probably, like people kind of building off their families, traditions of what they would say at the Seder or incorporating things that were happening around them. And, and so, yeah, like I, I started doing that with my now ex-wife's family in LA. We would do kind of like comedy Seders and 
and so people good. Start to them around a little bit, and and there, I was just like, you know, maybe I should just publish this and see if any, you know, people that don't know who we are, or I am, and want to yeah. read it. And uh, it was crazy. It did like really well. Like the first yeah. year was like, the top for. I mean, within within the realm of, you know, Hagata like parody books. You know, I don't know. Yeah. it's not not really well, but you know, it, it was in the top 100 books. You know, for the month of. Passover leading up to it, and uh, wow, on the yeah, Amazon list, thousands of copies, which is a lot for self. Yeah, I think like it's pretty rare. It's the numbers of self-publishing books is like you know ninety eight percent of them sell less than like hundred copies. Or something like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I was about to say. Yeah, that would have been that. Would, did you expect that when you put it out? Did you do a lot of like? Because I noticed the other thing, you've got heaps of people that are commenting on your books and stuff like that's huge in Amazon that people take the time to just write reviews as well. Like that, that's not just like two or three reviews. There's like 70, yeah, 80 well, people. Yeah, well, definitely a lot of people were angry about it. That's for sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the there's definitely a lot of negative reviews. I mean, I think it's like, half, it's like all five stars and all one stars. So you know, <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty when you know you're doing something right, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, you know, this it's kind of funny to look at the reviews. I, I there, there's some pretty, pretty amusing responses yeah. to me. But, Do you uh, get affected yeah. by that stuff? I can imagine you would probably. I think I was earlier because I was so I was very different then. I was very like ambitious and like I think yeah. I did believe that it was going to do well, which is crazy because yeah. You know, like I don't know why I thought that. Well, but you had a little bit of feedback from the community and stuff. Like people, had, you said they were being yeah, passed was, around before. A little bit, yeah. Um, now, now it's just, I mean, anybody who has feedback, it's, it's, I kind of think it's like a shadow thing. It'd be like, you're, it's usually like, oh, I wish I had done my version of art or creativity or whatever it is. I don't know. And then yeah. maybe, maybe that's too simplistic, but, um, I look at when people are like, I like that movie, but these are the problems with it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, it's easy to be a critic. Yeah, so um, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, yeah, then, then I did another one next year that was like a Seinfeld parody. Yeah. Where I like, did an episode of Seinfeld, basically, kind of like a fan fiction, and uh, I published that despite, you know, copyright questions. I, I kind of play with copyright law in the shuffle as well because I know it's, it's weird. Yeah. The internet is just so open, and then if you publish it as a book, you know, then it's, then you have certain laws that are not that, seem to apply exactly. to the internet. So, yeah, Once it I becomes just, physical. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got to change. I mean, it is changing. Did, you, did your, with the, um, the Trump Hagada book, was that exclusively digital or were there print copies made of that as well? No, there were physical copies. They, that that oh, was wow. a key okay. part of it. That there were physical copies. Oh yeah, of course. The, yeah. Yeah. Do like this print on demand thing. And, and so yeah, I yeah, the you know, like I said, Jews love their books. There was like yeah, fifteen people at a table and you gotta get fifteen books, so you get a lot of sales. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and then you uh, you took that further. You did a Biden Kamala Harris one as well. Yeah, that was last year. It was a Biden yeah. Harris one. Uh, and um I think with this the the subtitle was called like Thank God. Uh yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah and the yeah i mean yeah the other books that i've done i the book about my dad and the long sentence book i i really like and um 
There's another book called Spiritual Instagram that. Yeah, I saw that. I want to. I want to read that one as well. That's yeah, is that's, that's like satirical a little bit. Yeah, all the stuff is in a way. It's it's kind of taking memes that are out in that in the spiritual community and giving comments to them um, about. Because you're right, there's a relationship between spirituality and false spirituality, or you want to call it, or just the duality yeah. of, of that, and and like you, know, you can kind of fall down a rabbit hole into like QAnon sometimes, like the QAnon yeah. shop on, on January 6th of last year was in the news. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think anytime you're talking about spirituality, you got to have be humble. And I, I've learned that lesson too. Like, yeah, you know, I I, I think. You know, that was kind of the divorce, right? It was like, are you having a manic episode or are you having a spiritual awakening? Is it both, you know? So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Spiritual Instagram, I think is a cool book, really quick read. And yeah, it's playing with like the idea of what's memes, what's literature, what's impermanent and what's permanent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, your memes are amazing. Like at the end of this, I'm always like, I'm like, he's not going to have another amazing one at the end of this. You always, like, I've never seen them. Like, do you make them yourself? Like, they're so on no, point no, no. and funny. I, and, like, I'm like, where on earth do you find these? And it must have been during the research of that book. Well, so I just kind of, I don't know. I'm always kind of scrolling around. And I don't know. There, I think was, I think there's also a, a shuffle involved in that. Like, a lot of times, yeah, I, I follow the max on Instagram. I follow... 7,500 people and that's the max you can follow on Instagram. Oh my lord. More. So, yeah, a lot of people a lot of things come in for that stream and then yeah, replace people if I don't if I want to get some new people. How so, do you save them? Do you screenshot them or how do you what do you yeah, do? Yeah, screenshot yeah, just screenshot them or you know, copy them over on your laptop and um yeah, I want I've been thinking I was going to ask you that like yeah. A, a, an elder millennial learns how to meme because I don't know how to do it very well i can only just like curate them into a, a larger piece that i'm writing yeah kind of personal writing elder uh, millennial i like that term oh geriatric millennial elder millennial have you heard that <laughs> well, no but we're, let's, we're getting to that point where i'm yeah. like tail end of generation x so um, yeah so what, what year are you i'm 75 okay so. i'm 84 so okay yeah yeah you would have been 80. right at the beginning yeah yeah. Um, so we're getting old over here. So you, were, yeah, <laughs> I don't feel like it, but yeah, no, surely. I, I, yeah, that's the key. It's young at heart. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it is. And I think writing is a massive um, benefactor to reducing. You said, oh yeah, and that's like they're not burdening you anymore. The minute you've, I, I've gotten into the practice oh. talking about esoteric stuff where. On the full moon, I had this girlfriend who was like, if you ever want anything to happen, you write it down on a full moon and then you burn it. And Ooh. she's like, that's going to send the message to the universe. This whole energy is neither created nor destroyed and the burning itself. And I tell you, I wrote but a year before I quit smoking, I wrote down, I want to quit smoking. And that, and that happened. So oh, it's man. not, I don't know if it's magic or whatever it is. It's, there's something and I mean, in, you know, Jewish mysticism and like the Kabbalah and everything like the, the Alf Alaf Beit is like, it's, it's sacred. It's like that the yeah, world was created through that. Yeah. So when we use words to, 
kind of capture our life, our, you know, our emotional frailties, the things that are bothering us, our little anxieties, when we write about them, we somehow, we let them out. I guess that's the attraction of therapists as well. And like, you're t- that's talking to another human being, but like, if you've got a good enough relationship with yourself, writing and just writing it for yourself is enough. And once you've written it, and if you like reading it and it sounds right, then it's like, okay, sweet, that chapter's done. I don't need to revisit that. And if I want to revisit that, I can read about it. Whereas people that don't do that, they have these things floating around in their brain and they're just desperately there. And they every now and then they'll snap into one and be like, yeah, oh, man. Or they're even in their subconscious. They're not even aware. If you don't exactly. mind. Even scarier. Yeah. Then you're, not, you're not even aware of what's impacting your life all the time. Um, yeah. I think it's so, funny. There's this guy that, I know you don't like because I think I listened to a podcast where you said you don't like him or read something, but I find Jordan Peterson to be unfairly maligned. Oh, he's not great. He's not okay. bad. I, I thought you were going to say Joe Rogan. But... Oh, Joe Rogan? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I like, it. like I said, just like I like all music, I pretty much... Yeah, I know. I, you're right. I, should, I have to adopt your mindset more. And but, uh, to be, he said to, something, to... Jordan Peterson is something like people that go insane are people who can't tell anybody their stories. Was something he wow. Said. And That's it's like, pretty profound. If you can't like either journal for yourself or, you know, for your therapist or a partner or, you know, for me, it yeah. just seems like, like I read Julia Cameron's book um, about uh, the artist's way. And I tried her pages version and I liked yeah. it, but I, I seem like I need to have an audience for some reason. I need to like have yeah. the accountability of an audience to be like, I'm delivering every day at five fifty-five, and, and it's the, something yeah. about like performing, but it's, it's not quite performing because performing suggests that, there's a persona and I try, I mean, I guess it's inescapable not to have a somewhat of persona when you're using words, but I try my hardest to really just completely be unvarnished about yeah. what I'm dealing with and who I am. And so, I think it's like having a muse a little bit, having an audience, you know, and even yeah, if that audience yeah. is three people, you know, it's yeah, enough exactly. to be like, okay, yeah, because why it's not huge. No, exactly. Well, we don't have to say that. I, I like at the beginning of my, I was like, I'm never going to tell anyone how many myself. So when people are like, how many people are following you? How many are paying? I'm like, I don't even look. Of course I look, but I don't tell anyone because I don't think that's the point either, right? No, I think if you not. fret about that, it's not going to have any influence. Um, but what I was going to ask, so on top of the whole meme collection and all that, like how do you go about actually the process of writing a book? Like that always fascinates me. Like what is, do you have an idea for the book? Like the longest sentence ever written started out as a kind of a gimmick for you and, right. and then like turned into concept. something and you've, and you've elongated it. If it was 111,111 and now it's like 13,000. I thought that was hilarious as well. Just so you can keep the world's longest sentence. You've made it longer. Haven't you? Is that right? Um, I haven't made it longer since I published it, but yes, during the writing of it, like I, there was different claims to the record. And the first one I read was only like 14,000 words. And then I really, this is really happened. Like I just didn't see in the Wikipedia entry, there was another entry that was a book that was like 300 pages longer, maybe 200 pages. And so then I like looked up that book and then that was the new record. And I had to That's so cool. And like while I was writing the book, then just, a brilliant, brilliant writer, Lucy Elman, who whose father yeah. was like a Joyce professor, like she published a long sentence book that was, you know, thousand pages. So at that, at that point, I, I think if you read the full book, like I just kind of give up because I'm like, 
the ambition part of me like so goes away because it's like I really did at the time when I was in that old more egoic state. It was like I have to be remembered for all time as a writer for something, and like writing the longest <laughs> sentence will be that because it's quantifiable. You can't deny me exactly. You know I mean? I just it's your legacy. I can't lose so, but- it. I have to make a compliment here, Dave. And that is like, I was like, how on earth was he going to do this without people getting bored? And you've done it so well that you forget that you're still in one sentence. So there's, uh, I don't know sweet. how you've done that, Dave, but it's like, I almost want to give it a go. Can I tell you, should, like, we fun. used to do this. We used to do this. Um, I don't know if you did that. When we were in grade school, like probably around like nine, 10, we did a activity called speed writing. And that was like, yeah. you come back and you, the teacher would just give you a topic and then you write. And then it's whoever has, write for like three minutes. Whoever has the most like coherent words wins. And I used to like hands down, like clear everyone else. And that teacher that I had, she was Kiwi from New Zealand, but I was in Munich at the time at an international school. She said to me, Ooh, you're going to be a writer, Chris. Because, oh. yeah, I just, like, that stream, I, I have no problem. And, like, in my job as well, I need, like, I write for some companies over in the UK. And, like, I get paid per um, per article. And then it's, like, hard to then quantify, like, how long it takes me, you know, whether or not to do it per hour or per word. But, like, I can write these articles. So once I know what it's about, it doesn't take yeah. me long to write 3,000 words, like, at all. And I don't think, I don't know where that came from. Like I read Ray Bradbury. He's like one of my favorite sci-fi writers. He once said, you need to write a thousand words a day if you want to be a writer. I remember reading that when I was like 14 or something. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to do that. Just like doing push-ups in the morning or something. I'm just going to, even if it's just my shopping list, right? Yeah. Written out in the, yeah. So that's why I was going to ask you that. How do you go about, do you come up here? Are you like, I'm going to write this Haggadah, and I'm going to use Biden and Kamala Harris, and then I'm going to write it. Or do you just write an essay, and then you're like, fuck, this could turn into a book. How's um, the process? It's more of the former. Uh, it's more like, I'm, it's more concept-driven. I guess because I come from, like, I went to grad school for screenwriting at USC yeah. in LA. and Wow. They're, like, pretty, pretty like, concept-based there, where it's, like, you got to have, like, structured and concept yeah. that, like, you can sell it and... And people want to see like it's like you know very like four quadrants or this is why you know 10 million people will go see your movie you know or whatever you know the numbers are you know yeah it's like thinking in those terms i guess was helpful like log lines is something that they teach you to do which is like come up with like 100 ideas and then then decide what you're gonna do don't just like choose the one that you think of randomly you know what i mean and yeah um, but i i i think there's obviously there's tons of ways to come up with books um the one that i'm doing now is like a graphic novel that uh, i'm doing with an illustrator that it's based on a screenplay and that idea came from life though i think a lot of times the best ideas do come from life and then they're extrapolated into a grander story. yeah i mean everybody said that but it, this one is like uh related to uh the gun debate like i um, yeah, my my ex wife and I, we just had different experiences with guns growing up, and had very, yeah. slightly different opinions on them. And as I kind of like extrapolated that into like a romantic comedy, political political dramedy about a couple who 
gets mugged at gunpoint and then the wife surprised the husband by you know um pulling well, out a yeah, gun we'll find out but uh oh shit so yeah so it's it's cool it's a really cool project and it's been a passion project and um I want, I want to realize that as a visual in the visual medium, because I tried it as a novel many times and it's just something yeah. about it. You know, guns are so visual. And even though it's a, you know, it's, it's not exactly anti-gun, but it's trying to at least talk about what our gun violence culture is and what we can yeah. do to. Super you know, important. You've written something about that before. Dave. What was that? You've oh, written sorry. something about that already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I talk about it in the substack because it's like it's part you've of written an actual book about it on amazon there's a book oh, there's something okay, about yeah. gun so that was yeah that was like i did publish briefly though it's out of print and that's one of the downsides of amazon is that if you do use their system nothing is out of print and i am kind of impulsive so i at one point probably during the more manic and less awakened times of yeah. last year i published like a version of the screenplay when i didn't no, I was going to ah, okay. And so if you find that, I think there might be a couple versions out there, but who knows? It's okay. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so that like set the that's almost you you planted the seed and now you're going to work together. Yes. How do you do that with the with the artist, the illustrator? Do you work like on a daily basis or do you send them like are they on the same page as you with literally where the story is going or do you just send them every couple of weeks? This is where it's going. Um, so yeah, the script is um, all written and adapted from the screenplay into like what's called like graphic novel format, which is less, less strict of a format than, you know, um, screenplay format is sometimes. And so there's like a full, there's like a 260 page script and each page is about one page or is one page of, of the graphic novel and you kind of lay out like the panel panel one will have this in it and you have whatever the so it's lot like storyboarding on. like in film yeah it's usually a storyboard exactly and um you know we collaborate where he'll do like 10 pages every two weeks and then i'll give him notes and he'll he'll make corrections but he's he it really worked out like he was a friend of a friend and yeah so really simpatico and um like i just like i just like his choices all the time. I don't have to make that many changes and yeah. Oh, you know, amazing the story. So it's been good. And how far, how far along are you in the whole finishing process? Pretty far. I mean, we're, we're about 170 pages out of 260. So wow. we're 190 now. My bad. 190. So yeah, we're nearing the end. Uh, there definitely be some like, you know, corrections when it's all said and done. And, you know, do you I, shop I your? Do you shop them around? I haven't with the self-published books, and I I do yeah. want to with this one because I feel like I do want to traditionally publish something again, yeah. and I do want it to be this particular project. And I think you know, also just the cost of you know graphic novels, I think, are more expensive to print. So it would be good to yeah. work with someone who can handle that better. And um, but I'm also not opposed to. You know, either digitally publishing it. I mean, Substack is actually has a lot of comic books now. Yeah, um, I've noticed. Yeah, they just recently it. last year they yeah, started they a big section. Yeah, so I'm not opposed to other forms of publishing, but I like to at least try with traditional this time. Um, yeah, 
this one's it sounds like because it's such a passion project of yours and it goes back it just like when you were talking about i could already visualize it in my head like this is going to be something can i give you a tip dave sure do man you, <laughs> do you use linkedin at all i do a little bit yeah so so this is what I've done on the, I've like a lot of my podcast guests, like I've, I find someone that I want to interview and then I'll look them up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. And I'll tell you, like out of the ones that have said yes, it's been like 90% LinkedIn. That's where you get them. Like you connect oh, with them. Really? People are way more likely to connect. So what I've done now is like we sh I don't know if we are connected on LinkedIn. We should be because I've connected to all of the top brass on Substack, right? Oh, so I somehow managed to get one, I think it was the assistant to the CEO accepted my connection request. And then it was like head of talent. And like, because they then think like, oh wow, this guy's obviously knows this person and it's the snowball effect. And now I've got like 10 of them that are on my, so I was just gonna say like, you should do that as well. And that would be the perfect way for them to, you know, that you're not too intrusive, like with an email, it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, this is. I'm going to share obviously your pod project, and who knows? Now that substance. What do you do once you link? Like that's the thing. Where are you going to talk to them? Like, how? What are you going to do next? <laughs> well, I share my Substack stuff, right, on LinkedIn. With them. So, no, I just oh, share man. it. So I'm just like, you know, it's like fishing, Dave. You know, you know, like it's just an extra hook in the sea. Oh, oh of, okay. Yeah. So I don't. I haven't yet because I was like, I haven't yet put the article on Substack that I'm super duper proud of. So once I've written that, I think then I'm going to be like, I'll send them a message. So I haven't yet sent any messages to any of them. Um, okay. So now they, I think they think I work at Substack <laughs> in some capacity or something, but it's like head of talent. Like those are the ones, and this is what I'm saying, Dave, like they've got so much backing now. They've got so much money and they're, they're throwing it out at writers. So Ooh, if you could right. in some okay, so. way, well, this is what I was going to say. If you, they would probably pay you to publish per chapter, you know, and yeah. if you've already got, Ooh. and that'd be a, an amazing way for you to, you know, at okay. least start financing. Yeah, let's. Well, let's I'll send you a longer. So let's I do this. Link I link to you. That's yep. the first step. Yeah. And then I link to them. And you got to give me the order of how you linked. You well, know, what <laughs> I think I was just lucky away. that the woman that linked to me that first one who was the she's the pa to the ceo um and then yeah i guess if you link to me and then you link to them they'll be like mutual friend oh this guy also because i also in my linkedin have writer for substack which you, i guess you do you have that in your linkedin yeah so, yeah so do you have the actual substack icon and everything like you've oh now yeah, you of can, course gotta have, have that yeah, yeah. So you've got I'm, that. Just, I'm pretty tongue in cheek right now. I don't know if you are too. But <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what the you know. I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll, I I love fishing attempts and you know. Yeah. I also well, it's not a P H I S I S H. It's a F I S H fishing. Just to get the the, the words oh, right. You know, oh yeah, I, mean. <laughs> I, I turn my words sometimes. I don't know why I say. No, no, I meant phishing is like the P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G is the way you oh, try and get people's bank oh. details. <laughs> no, oh, so this God. is just, I just thought of that when you were saying that and I was like, people need to know that you're doing this, right? 
like this is the first time I've heard that you're working on this project. And it's like, I always thought that that was a thing that they do in Los Angeles is like, oh my God, that so-and-so is working on this next big script for this movie. That's what and I thought. Yeah. I mean, starting I, the that's buzz. What I, that's what I thought. And I, but it happens to many people that I know. It doesn't seem to happen <laughs> to me. As it well will, Dave. It, it will. I think it will. I, I, do, I, I do have visions about it still that it will happen. But well, people I know it does happen to you all the time. So that is Exactly. True. And the thing is, like, you will eventually catch something. If you throw as many hooks you put into the water, that's the way I see it with, with everything that I do. The reason you put stuff on Substack, the reason you share stuff on Instagram is you never know. It's serendipity and science and luck favors the prepared mind. And, like, and this is what I'm saying. Like, even though you're not, like, I don't want to talk about money or anything or, like, you're a millionaire writer or, like, a billionaire writer like J.K. Rowling, to me, you're, like a super distinguished and established writer. Like you've published in the New Yorker and McSweeney's like these amazing publications. You got a like plethora of books that are out there that aren't just boring old, you know, self-help or whatever. I know you said that you enjoy those books, but it's like, it has meaning what you're doing. And it's like, you've got the, um, yeah, you've got all the makings of someone that they would be like, yep, we want this guy. And you've got an amazing personality. And that's what they look for now, publishers. They don't look necessarily how amazing is the writing and all that stuff. They're like, can we use this person and present them? Like, would they be good at a reading? And um, like, I've so, worked. Yeah. Thank you. This is, this is, you're, you're praising my ego. My ego is. No, it's so true. It's hard to say. I could have said like yes and thank you, but I just let it go. I, I want to see how long. Yeah, it's nice, so, so funny. I just want to say it though because it's the truth, right? It's not. Rabbi Hillel once said, "Never apologize for brash emotional reactions, for it will be like apologizing for the truth." Right? And that's the way I feel about. Like I had to let you know that, right? Because I, when you said yes to doing the podcast and when you asked me to write for your subject i was like over the moon dave right yeah, so you, it was like you said another one the like, next week you were like i you were like I, this every I, week, I, right? I, and I was like I, yeah I, I considered it i was like i i like his writing i mean maybe that's so funny dave i was like oh my god this guy wants me to write every week and then i was like but isn't he gonna do it and yeah because it was it's such a neat idea i can't believe that you know, everyone's doing this it's such a and that's why I was disappointed when you said, I mean, how many are there left? There's only 20 left, right? Well, I'm going to do it daily for 365 days. And I am I think I'm at 345 for 246. And then yeah. I think I'm going to do it, definitely continue it, but maybe weekly instead of daily. Like do, you know, week. Because I, I was going to say, it must be a lot of work, man. Like, Jesus. I was just like, I mean, how I enjoy it. Gonna... And you can kind of do other stuff because it's like, you know, it's like your starts your day with some pages and. But yeah. um, it's a lot of work, and it is. I don't know. I, I I haven't written it off, but I would like to see like what else I could do with either within Substack or yeah, a new. You're book curating. You're curating Spotify in a way, in the written sense, and that's why I was like, is he sponsored by Spotify? Like, have you ever? Has anyone ever contacted you about that? Um, I, I don't know, man. I I I feel like I. I feel like I, I, I maybe I should go to therapy over this. Is like I, I want success, but I also like don't Scared want to want the success too. Yeah, so I, I like, understand that. Like, yeah, I don't know. Do I have to like if I work with Spotify, then they're gonna say 
you can't have all these lyrics in there maybe yeah yeah know. you're right uh, well look what maybe, happened maybe right. i'm offending spotify spotify if you want to work no great. let's do it <laughs> Hey, they're I Swedish. The, I was born in Sweden. Who knows? I do have listeners in Sweden. They might. Oh, they're Swedish. Yeah, I love the Swedish. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they're amazing. But I was going to say, like, you're, you're doing all of this on your own back. And that's like, like, people don't understand how much work that is. And, and this is what I was saying about the whole success thing. Like, almost to be a good writer, you almost have to live on that edge of, you know, existence, survival, like I just find that once you start making the big money or the you get that great success, like is the motivation still there? But then you see people like Ricky Gervais or Larry David, and they like they've made a lot of money and they still put out great content. Yeah, and so great. Yeah. I think it almost once you've removed, I mean, there's nothing, there's no better compliment for your writing than a paycheck, right? <laughs> it's like that's like once people pay you for what you're doing that's when you're like oh okay sweet this is what it was all about because i mean ultimately when you well, write that I would, I would disagree no no offense i find that okay. like i find like the i don't know how much time we have but the back going back to the book the gift it's like i find um being free of trying to make money from writing has actually been the key to then me enjoying writing again and making my best work because when i have to consider the market too much then it just limits what you can do to me. And it's like, you have I to get that. collaborate or not collaborate is the wrong word. I like collaborating. I collaborate all the time. I collaborate with you. Yeah. Uh, compromise is the word that I was looking for. Um, maybe collab. Maybe I, maybe I Freudian slip. Maybe I should collaborate <laughs> more too, uh, to be honest. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's something that he says, Lewis Hyde. It's like, uh, there's three ways to be a writer. It's, you know, either, you have a job that then pays basically by your own time to write, which is kind of yeah. probably what I do. And then there's patronage, you know, you could, you know, either yeah. historically there's been patronage or, you know, you can from your family, which I do have a little bit of that as well. And so it's yeah. a combination of a job and that, and then there's a commercial, you could write completely for a commercial market and then you're compromising there. So those are kind of the three traditional paths that art yeah. gets made. And so, how you navigate those three, those three in your own life, you know, allows you to be a certain kind of writer, artist, wherever you want to be. So, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the whole thing is like, once you put a book on Amazon, it's commercial, right? And then it could potentially become, you know, and that's this whole thing. The commercial is like, if you work with a traditional publisher, yeah, they, they have an editor and they have, true. You know, they're, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong, but it seems like no, no, some, you're right. not, yeah. every, not every case, but my experience has been in film and TV sometimes is that it's people have to make changes to things that they don't want to make changes to, or at least that's what I've been told. I don't have that much experience in it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And then they can destroy the right. I, I have a little bit of experience. Like I used to work for quite a large medical publishing company and we had like an in-house style where okay. you weren't allowed to use words like but and like negative words because it was we were writing right. about medications and all this stuff. And, and I'll tell you, I did that for five years and my writing suffered immensely for after that. I couldn't. There you go. It took. Yeah, it took me you a whole year. But, you got to be able to say but a couple of times. Or, you know, <laughs> exactly. And now it's like one of my favorite know. words. It's like uh, this, 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 but. Um, uh, but I, I was going to say. Which but are you saying, by the way? <laughs> 
We're writing about hemorrhoid creams. No, I mean the B-U-T. Oh, <laughs> so oh, negative wow. language, like anything, like wow. stop, but like things like that. Wow. No, yeah. Did right. you mean the butt? <laughs> so funny. I was, um, I, was, I was kind of doing both, but yeah, a little bit more of the B-U-T-T, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that would have been rectum in our in medical jargon or anus. We would have used the proper language. I would have gotten in trouble for using butt from talking yeah. about that part of the anatomy. But yeah, so I think what you're saying there is, yeah, you're totally spot on. But And so when I said the most gratifying thing about writing is receiving a paycheck is probably, yeah, that's a little bit, um, what do you call it when you hyperbole? Um, yeah, I, mean, I just I mean it's hyperbole this whole time. I probably want to take back things I said. I mean, I don't, I don't hold you to your word. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's so good. Um, I said, Dave, I actually was going to peter this out at an hour, and now we're at an hour and 18 minutes. But um, yeah, I was going to say, good. we'll wrap it up, but I would love to, like, A, collaborate with you in some way, writing-wise, and B, I'd love to have you on again in a couple oh, cool, of months. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, both those Maybe around the time you get the graphic novel up and off, we'll do a big oh, yeah, shout-out, and, and I'll sell it send it to all my Substack friends at LinkedIn. Yeah, get those, <laughs> get those 10 LinkedIn dudes going. Head of talent. Hey, they're, most of them are women, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, I so think dude talking, in I, California is just, is kind of like y'all. It's like, because you can't say guys, but you can kind of say dude. I don't know. Well, I say guys, guys a lot. Which you I ask my sisters and they reckon it's okay. One of my sisters, right, right. she studied anthropology. Reckon. Like well, you reckon, said like dudes. Reckon, so if they reckon, I, I mean, Do you reckon dudes is also female? Can that be the semantics? I think a little bit out here. And I think I'm, the main thing I'm learning from this last bit, which I hope you cut off, is that reckon is a word that I should add to my language <laughs> more overall. <laughs> we use that a lot in New Zealand. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to edit a lot of it. What I'll do is, yeah, some of my guests want me to send it. Put, to them. I'm completely unedited. You put whatever you put the whole thing in. I love, I yeah, I love it when it's kind of personal like this, and it's it's more like a conversation rather than a perfectly edited. I call it a garage band podcast. Anyway, it's definitely there no Joe Rogan. I don't have, I don't have a producer, but I do have an awesome microphone, so I'm going to be happy to listen to the yeah. the result of this. And, and uh, man, we we, we, yeah, one on my thing, my Substack, one uh, totally. And then, and then um, I guess it, after 365, I'll, I'll bring you back, it'll be one of the first second, awesome first guest supposed to do it a second time. So, brilliant, because that's Thank what I was gonna say, Dave. That shuffle synchronicities, the next edition could be writers from all around the world, and that's what one thing I would love to help you with as well. Like, I've got friends that are writers like yeah yeah feed them many in. places anybody who wants to do it i would love to i, I yeah. pay a little bit too so oh sorry i'm gonna call here that's I'm good really that's just, a great completely <laughs> <laughs> completely uh i don't know what the word is just yeah well then there and why not and there great brilliant and say All goodbye right. to your apple watch as well what are you talking that's, to someone yeah, exactly. on the phone just non-stop over here <laughs> All right, buddy. Amazing, Dave. Thanks so much. And Thank we'll talk you, soon. Buddy. Yeah, right, you're a legend. Enjoy California, brother. Later. You two out there. Talk yeah, later. man. Talk soon. Bye, Bye man.
Kia ora everyone and thank you for listening to that podcast number 17 with the super amazing Dave Cohen. I hope he enamored you guys as he enamored me and that you subscribe to his Shuffle Synchronicities and follow him on Instagram at Dave Cohen. Um, yeah, I really learned a lot in that conversation and I have ordered the book The Gift, which he talks about repeatedly in there. And yeah, I hope to have him on again when, like we talked about in the podcast, once he releases um, or he's closer to the release date of his next book that he's working on. Um, yeah, thanks so much for joining and supporting me last year, guys. It's been absolutely super fun doing these podcasts, and I've got some pretty stellar guests lined up, including Carlos Gona, who's the Malibu artist, who is one of the world's most prolific photographers of great white sharks and amazing drone footage. And I've got Andrea Triton, who's a a teacher and virologist from Auckland, who's been writing the curriculum on conspiracy theories and how to teach children to discern between fact and conspiracy theory in schools. So I I studied education with Andrea, that's why I know her, so I'm really looking forward to that conversation. I've also got Pebbles Hooper lined up, who's going to talk about her life and art that she's been putting out and some exciting projects she's got lined up along the way so it's going to be a great start to 2022 much aroha and love to everyone i hope you're doing well and big hugs